This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. So again from the book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. On one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called for his disciples to come to him. He chose 12 of them and made them apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom Jesus named Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who would later hand Jesus over to his enemies. Jesus went down the mountain with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there. A large number of other people were there too. They came from all over Judea, including Jerusalem. They also came from the coastland around Tyre and Sidon. They had all come to hear Jesus and to be healed of their sicknesses. People who were troubled by evil spirits were made well. Everyone tried to touch Jesus. Power was coming from him and healing them all. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said to them, Blessed are you who are needy. God's kingdom belongs to you. Good morning. So my name's Tyler. I'm the worship pastor here, amongst other things. And uh, if you weren't around this week, you missed out. It was a really cool gathering we had. We are part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is a denomination that um, is primarily based in the United States, but has mission work and churches all over the world. And um, this week, for about four days, we gathered here that the Alaska Conference, so churches from all over Alaska, but it's mostly a few on the road system, and several little churches from western Alaska and villages. And so it makes for a real interesting gathering, but I think it reflects a little bit of Taste of Heaven, because you get to see diversity, and it's just a great fun. We got to learn from one another, and um, we had a great time. There was a, we had like Somebody roasted a whole pig. Actually, it was rain. Roasted a whole pig on Friday night. And I, when I swung in there, uh, somebody says, yeah, people are coming back for fourths and fifths. And, you know, so it was, a, it was a great time. One of the people who were there, and he was here a few weeks ago, where's Adam? Adam, come on up here. This is Adam London. And he, uh, and, and your guests there too. So Adam is, uh, he's a director at Covenant Bible Camp. And, uh, he was here a few weeks ago, but one of the things I noticed, at Adam, it kept coming up as people shared about what was happening in, like, in their reports from the different churches and stuff like that, is how significant Covenant Bible Camp is for kids out in western Alaska. It is huge. So you're here to tell us about an opportunity of how we can participate. Yep, absolutely. Uva Lotuk, good morning. Uh, first of all, I just want to say koyanukpuk big thank you for the support that this church has already been showing. Uh, we have about 15 staff from this church that are already signed up to come out to Unicleat this summer. And uh, I know that people have been praying, and I really appreciate that. 
and we can't do it without your support. But yeah, there are many, many hundreds of campers throughout the last 30-some years that have started their relationship with Jesus Christ right there. And as far as opportunities, I'm going to let my friends from Unicleet share real quick. Uh, I'm Fisher Dill. I'm from Unicleet. Um, I've been attending Covenant Bible Camp for uh, a while, probably. Um, Most of his life. <laughs> fairly. Because Mount... Uh, uh, it's just an amazing place. Uh, just that's all I'm going to say about that because uh, it's indescribable uh, through the connections that you get to meet with fellow campers and the staff who are very friendly. Um, opportunities for staff. Um, Adam mentioned that there are staff opportunities. Um, they're pretty much filled. Uh, there's a bunch of camp dates uh, ranging through ages. Um, uh, There's leadership camp May 30th through June 5th. And there's high school camp uh, from June 5th through the 12th. Uh, Junior high camp from from the 12th through the 19th. And Pathfinders, which is like third and fourth grade, uh, 19th through the 24th. And Trailblazers, Fifth and sixth graders from uh, from the. And that one looks like it's circled on there. Is that one circled? <laughs> um, it's a box. <laughs> oh, oh, box. Twenty fourth to twenty ninth, and this camp, uh, Trailblazers, the last camp of the season. Uh, we are looking for a few more staff members, both male and female staff members. So. Uh, counselors in particular, as Adam's right by my ear. Uh, um, if you would like any more information about that, you can come see us at the table in, in the other room. Uh, I'll pass it down. Uh, and if you are interested in sponsoring a camper to attend camp, there's an opportunity to do that. I uh, just go to covenantbiblecamp.org backslash send a kid to camp, um, and that would that would mean a lot. Camp changes lives. I am I witnessed it, and I was part of that as well. That's where the Lord called me into ministry. So camp has a special place in my heart, um, and I got to meet these awesome students. I got to meet Adam there, and uh, yep. So, but yep, if you have any questions, we'll be at the booth and love to share about camp. Well, who can tell me what Veritas means? I hear it. Truth, right? Because our church started a process a couple years ago, born out of a desire to make sure that we are being healthy and missional as a church. Does this sound familiar? For those of you who have been around. So it it was quite a process, and we really got involved in that. And so... Part of Veritas was telling the truth. In order to be able to move forward, we have to be able to tell the truth about who we are and where we are, right? And uh, wherever you go in life, you have to start from exactly where you're at. Isn't that not profound? Okay. So um, part of Veritas, we had 10 markers of a healthy missional church. 
And they were very biblically based markers for what constitutes a healthy missional church. What are the characteristics? And so as we went through that process, we adopted those as our values. These are the things we value. We have biblical values as we press into being healthy and missional. Well, there's one of the values on there that when we took the Pulse survey, which is a survey of our whole church, to, to see how we were doing. There's one that we ranked particularly low on. In fact, I think maybe it was last. Anybody want to guess what it is? Intentional evangelism. In fact, it's my understanding that's consistently last amongst covenant churches. So, and, and from my um, early church training, what I know about values is when you really value something, you give energy to it, right? You give your time, you give your heart. But if you state that you have a value, but you don't give time and energy to it, then it's called something else. It's called an aspirational value. Now, I want to say there's no way we can rank 10. In fact, if we even got 10 on any of them, that's great of our values that we have. But it's a good thing to see where is it that we need to grow to be following God in mission, right? And, and being healthy. And so... Um, I have a confession, some veritas, some truth to tell. So I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Christian family. I, could, I can't even count all my uncles who are pastors and missionaries. I mean, I'm, I'm really into that. And as a result, I'm really, I got really indoctrinated in the whole Christian culture. And when you're in Christian culture sometimes, it becomes very easy to sort of get closed off in that. Right? And you can lose touch with the heart and the mission of Jesus. And so a lot of messages that I've had the opportunity to get up and give, I feel like uh, to some degree, I'm, I'm far from perfect, but I feel like from some, for, you know, to some degree, I'm able to set some kind of an example. There's a lot of pressure in pastor circles that you have to set an example, right? Your character, right? And there's some biblical basis for that. But I got to tell you, in this one, I feel like it's an aspirational value for me. I need to grow. So when I was at Midwinter this past January, end of January, beginning of February, they showed a video. And I got real excited because I know some of your church, uh, some of you guys were in a Bible study that Todd taught when he first got here. It was something like the something way of evangelism, Right? Something. It wasn't actually called something, but it was called something. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, it's about a guy in Scotland, right? Is this ringing a bell for anybody, right? About having conversations, about having healthy conversations with people. Anyway, I, I had that kind of as a backdrop, and I saw this video, and I got excited because I thought, this is something I could do. Maybe this is something that we could do. So I want to show you the video that I saw. And this actually introduces the series that we're going to be in now for the next five weeks. And my hope and my prayer is that we capture some of the heart of Jesus for lost people. And we do something intentional about it. We start from where we're at and take a step. 
And when many of us start from where we're at and, and take a step, I believe it could have an exponential impact on our church and help change culture. So let's, let's watch this video. explain later why some of the reasons I liked it but initially that looks positive right and there's probably some things in that video you think I could do that I can eat am I right this these are things that we can do all right excellent well um, our pastors is read from Luke and I'm going to get to it in a little bit but in my preparation I started just to kind of go a cruise through Luke I'm looking and I'm, I'm trying to say what are the passages that kind of Show me Jesus' heart and his mission, okay? And I'm just going to bring up a few, okay? Just a few, because I realized, man, I, I started to make some PowerPoints, and I'm just going to do like a quick survey that I don't know how many PowerPoints I can do in this half hour. So I'm just going to mention a few. But you might remember that after Jesus is tempted, okay, this is Luke chapter 4, he announces that his ministry and he goes into Nazareth and temple and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you hear the blessing in that? And in fact, it's, it's a... It's a it's something that's always been in the heart of God to bless humanity. Now, I, I don't know why it is that we could sit around and talk about why it is in culture, the view that culture has of the God that Christians serve is warped. Can you agree? Because God has always been about blessing people and setting them free. Anybody who wants to, he wants to bless we look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, right? So humanity has gone its own way, and he calls Abram. In fact, I think I have that scripture here for us. He calls Abram. says, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and, go, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. All the families of earth will be blessed through you. God has chosen a man through whom he can bless a nation, through whom he can bless all the nations in the world. That's always been the heart and mind of God. So I want to continue in Luke. So a little bit further in Luke, uh, Jesus heals Peter's mom, who was down ill. And then ministry sort of starts breaking out. People start bringing their ill, you know, and sick, and he's doing ministry and stuff like that. And then uh, it, it becomes nighttime, so they run out of daylight. And it says early in the morning that Jesus got up and he left. 
And so in the morning, everybody gets up and says, this has been cool. We're getting something really good going here. There's going to people be gathering. You know what? We could build a building here. We could start small groups. We could be, right? And they finally find Jesus. He goes, where are you? We've got people. We've got a thing starting to go here. Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that was why I was sent. So they left. A little bit later, some religious people were upset with Jesus because who he was hanging out with. He tended to hang out with losers, right? And Jesus makes a point, and it's kind of a double-edged point, but one of the things he says there is he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right? And then another occasion, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to... Oh, that's the same one. Sorry, same one. You get to Luke 15, and again, you have a similar kind of a struggle going on where the religious people are concerned about who Jesus is spending time with and why he's spending time with them and his message. And he tells three parables in a row. He tells a parable of a lost sheep. But the man who has a hundred sheep, but there's only 99 in the pen. So he leaves the 99 to go and find the one. Right? And it says, as a matter of fact, he says, I tell you, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sheep found. And then he tells a parable of a lost coin. And a woman who, who searches frantically for the lost coin. And when she finds it, she calls her friends, come rejoice with me, I found the lost, lost coin. And then a, a story that probably a lot of, her, uh, of us are familiar with is the prodigal son. You know what the big thing in that prodigal son? One of the big points that is a consistent with those other is that when the father sees his lost son coming, he gets up and he runs. He runs to greet him. It's the, it's the joy of the father to welcome in his lost children. That was what was offensive to the religious people. Well, that and the other son who was lost too, but that's another story. But my point is, Jesus keeps hammering this home. His mission to save lost people. In fact, I want to look at two callings real quick. I found this really interesting when I started thinking about it. So the first one, you can find it in Mark 1. It's in Luke's Gospel too. His word is slightly different, but it's very similar. This is when Jesus encounters Peter and Andrew, and he says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will help you through life. That's not what he says, right? I will, I will rescue you in the storm. I will... No, he says, I think this is fascinating. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. You see, the invitation to be in relationship with Jesus is coupled with the call that he elevates our life into a much bigger purpose and significance much bigger purpose and significance. I was thinking about the American dream. I actually looked it up this week because there's a video site I go to for Christian videos. And their mission statement, the mission statement is 
to help people exchange the, the American dream for a life that matters, for a life of mission. And I thought, well, what's wrong with the American dream? Is there anything wrong with the American dream? You know what it's based on? To my understanding, at least, it's that declaration that all people are created equal, right? All people are created equal and are uh, entitled to life, liberty, and happiness. See, here's the thing. That's great public policy to recognize the dignity in people, that they have freedom. It's lousy for directing that freedom. Does that make sense? You can't just live for life and liberty. You have to give your life and liberty to something. So it's great for public policy. And maybe it reflects God's truth somehow. <laughs> but it's horrible at directing our lives. So Jesus calls. He doesn't just call us into relationship. He calls us into significance and purpose. We had a... a, a a guy, Mark Hill, maybe some of you know Mark Hill. I think he's a chaplain on, on the military base there. He was part of our conference. And his job a couple times was to get up and pray for the offering. And you know what he made us do? He made us, he'd get up and he'd say, it's offering time. And we had to cheer really loud. Arrive! Whistle and clap. It's offering time. Right? See, that's kind of counterculture. It's like, okay, here's another sales pitch coming. You know, let's be careful. Grab onto your wallet. Make sure nobody's grabbing from behind, right? But see, if, if we had the paradigm from God's perspective that he's inviting us into significance that lasts much bigger. See, we're out fishing for fish. Jesus invites us to fish for people. Huge. If we had that paradigm shift and we're given opportunity to participate, wouldn't we applaud I mean, I wonder if, if we saw it from heaven's perspective and looking back, it's like, sweet, I get to give. I get to be a part of something significant. So a little clue, a little later when we do the offering, you guys can applaud. Just fake it, all right? Fake it till you feel it. No, that's not. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. But it really is an opportunity. To the degree that we as a church have integrity and are trying our best, to follow God's mission, it's a huge opportunity to participate. Okay. All right. So uh, that's, the, that's the first calling. This is Matthew 28. Very familiar. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, i.e., this is a charge for Jesus' disciples and their disciples and their disciples all the way up to today, right? It's a timeless kind of a charge. And, and Jesus is sending that go. But part of the way we understand going is means that wherever we're at is where God has called us. I don't know about for you, but for me, it's really easy to kind of get focused on mission when I'm going to the soup kitchen, Right? Or um, this summer, I'm planning to go to Germany to, to help out with the refugees. By the way, you guys should come tonight and have brats and pay lots of money for them. Because it's an opportunity. All right, anyway. Um, <clears throat> but we get focused. We don't sense that God is calling us right where we're at in our neighborhood. At our place of work. With the people that we like to hang out with. Do you know that we are plan A 
for sharing the good news of the gospel? We are plan A. And I, I understand that God's big enough to use lots of people. But my point is, as Christ followers, his disciples, our job is to make disciples. Now, make disciples, is that just about helping people grow up in Christ? Or is that also about sharing Christ with people? Making, part of what you do in make is you start with nothing, right? And you add something. And you make it better. So, even though we talk about something I appreciate about the Evangelical Covenant Church, is we talk about evangelism and discipleship as two separate things. But where did you see Jesus do two separate things? He does evangelism, and we're going to see that in a minute, and discipleship at the same time. Because we're discipling people on being people who share the good news. And as people respond, we disciple them to help them share the good news. It's a continual process. And it also recognizes God doesn't start working in a person's life when they accept Jesus. God's been working in people's lives, and we get to come and be a part of what God's already doing. All right. I'm always surprised so much. All right. That's for future. All right. I'm going to get into our passage, all right, that we read earlier. This is Luke chapter 6. Now, I like this passage because Jesus' ministry has been starting to develop. He announces his, that he's beginning his ministry, and he's gathered some disciples. But in this particular moment, he's starting to hit, you know, some conflict with religious leaders. And you get kind of a parallel passage to the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins to organize his ministry. He's appointing disciples and those kinds of things. And so, um, it gets the right. I wanted to point out a couple things. More on this later, but it says on one of those days, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray and spent the night praying to God. Now, what follows sounds like pretty heavy duty ministry. And as a person who's a little short on sleep this morning, I'm thinking, man, Jesus was a tough dude. I mean, that guy, man, because he prayed all night, right? He prays all night, and he comes down, and he appoints, he gathers a whole group of disciples, and he appoints some to be his apostles, his specific disciples. And then it says it goes to a level place. Now, I went and looked in commentaries a little bit to figure out what's the deal with him going to a level place and here's an idea. I don't know if it's scholarly or not, but I'm trying to figure out why would he do that? Why does this text mention that he went to a level place? Well, right after that, it says that a great crowd of people gathered. They brought their sick and their lame. And so the level place is a place where a, it provides access for people. Not just for the crowd, but for the kind of people that Jesus is inviting. The people who are sick. So he provides access. And then it says that, that you know, power was going out. He was ministering miracles and whatnot. And then, so he was doing the ministry of the kingdom. And then he began the message of the kingdom, right? And his message, and perhaps his disciples were standing around going, wow, this is an interesting group of people who are gathering here. I don't understand what this has to do with throwing off the Roman government. I don't understand what this has to do with... I'm, I'm not sure that these are the people that have been hanging out in the synagogue. And I'm not sure, you know, 
What kind of movement is this that Jesus is starting? Jesus is starting a movement that blesses people who have nothing to offer. Jesus is starting a movement for people who have nothing to offer. So he begins his message with bless, which I like because it goes right along with our series. Bless are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the kinds of people, in contrast to the theology that says that if you're healthy or wealthy, you must be loved by God. In contrast to the might makes right of the Romans, God says, I want to bless people who have nothing to offer, except that I made them and I love them. One thing I would encourage us from this passage is that when we go out and do soup kitchen, these are great things. When we do the ministry of the kingdom, it's excellent. We also have to bring the message of the kingdom. Paul says, be prepared to give an answer. I was talking with Beth Severson. She's in our um, uh, Making Deepen Disciples, and she's over the evangelist. She's very much involved in this. And she had a great illustration about sharing your story with Christ, in, uh, of, of your relationship with Christ. She goes, well, when you go golfing, what club do you use? Well, it depends on, depends on where you're at, right? If you're at the tee, you're not going to use a putter. If you're on the green... Hopefully, you're not going to use a driver, right? Depends on where you're at. Same comes with our story. Learning to share our story in a context of what somebody needs so they hear the good news. So we don't just do just the ministry of the gospel, but we learn to tell the message of the gospel as well. All right. I'm cruising. I'm doing okay. All right. So you'll notice that that passage started with prayer. In fact, you'll notice I, I mentioned one of the other passages in Luke where it says that Jesus got up early in the morning and went to a solitary place. Now, it doesn't say he prayed there. I'm guessing I'd be willing to bet money in Vegas that he was praying, okay? And so, uh, so in, in prayer, even Jesus, the Son of God, right, he gets his direction in his relationship with his father for ministry and where the Holy Spirit is guiding him and leading him. So this next verse, this is just uh, an example where Jesus says, uh, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. And I think this is a great verse to root this idea that when we do evangelism, we begin with prayer. In prayer, we acknowledge that evangelism is primarily a spiritual activity, right? We are joining God in what he is doing in the life of somebody, in the life of a community. We're asking God to guide us. And as you look in Scripture, you see different places. Jesus will say things like, Pray to the Lord of the harvest for for workers, because the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So Jesus is inviting us to bathe what we do in prayer. So I remember at the conference they said about this whole blast, they said, okay, the B is a bit of a stretch. Begin with prayer, because it's, it's really prayer, right? But I'm so glad that that's the starting point. It's the place where I get my heart set right. It's the place where 
I, I can allow God to guide and direct me. And so um, we see that um, in, in Jesus' life and in this passage. Before Jesus starts this major organization of his ministry and this ministry of the kingdom and the message of the kingdom, he spends the night in prayer. And so if Jesus needs to do that, to guide and direct him in his ministry, maybe we need that as well. Amen? Amen. All right. Excellent. All right. All right, a couple things. <clears throat> I made this up this week, okay? This is my, because I'm trying to help myself here too, right? I recognize that what does intentional evangelism really mean? And so this is, a, this is a work in progress, but this is what I came up with. It's planning, preparing, and creating space, that's physical, spiritual, and relational space, to demonstrate and share the good news of Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I see planning and preparing because um, I think that it's real easy for me and some of us that if we smile really genuinely at somebody in the, in the uh, grocery store, we think, you know, we're sharing the love of Jesus. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. But, you know, to, to have a deeper impact, it's going to have to require a little bit more planning and preparation. Am I, am I ready to be prepared to share why I have a hope, right? It's, it's going to take planning if I want to regularly engage with the same people. So uh, creating space. So what I mean by that, so physical space. Maybe, I, I, I wish I could have asked Beth what she meant. She's talked about third space, but I, I caught a little flavor of it. It's, it's place that you intentionally make sure that you have time for to hang out in this place because you know there you can build relationships with people who aren't just your Bible study buddies. Okay? Here is a place where I can develop relationships with people that I wouldn't otherwise run into. So I'm planning and preparing. And then uh, spiritual. Again, that's just that engaging in the prayer work. So as I engage with people, I recognize I need God's spirit. And if something comes up, I have the opportunity to share. Thankfully, I can pray right on the spot. You know, is, is, is now a good time for me to just offer to pray for this person? Is, is now a good time for me just to shut up? Is now a good time, you know? So I, it's, it's a spiritual preparation. And then uh, relational, relational means that I'm, I'm identifying those people. And we're going to have an opportunity to try that here in a minute. But I'm identifying those people. Who is God allowing me to brush up against that perhaps he's got something for me in the work that he's doing in their heart. So, and I, I was mentioning this to uh, Ted, Ted Smith yesterday, and he's reading the book, and he goes, what do you mean by intentional? It means you have to do it. You can't, we have good intentions, but we have to do it. So that follow-through, I tried to crap, you know, capture that with creating, I'm not sure. But that, that intentional means that we actually carve out space. That's how we value it, by the way. We carve out space in our emotional, relational, and spiritual life and give attention to it because we know that it's what Jesus cares about as we follow him and follow and fall in love with him. So, there you go. This is what I love about bless. Anybody can do it. Anybody can eat. Anybody can listen with care. Anybody can pray. Okay? 
it, I love about it that it's inviting us to in, encounter people in our everyday life in a very natural way. It's not going and knocking. I'll, I'll tell you real quick an experience I had. I went doing a street testimony one time in uh, Seaside, Oregon, and it was a it was a it was a windy night, and we were you know we were doing the kind of like stop people right on the street and see if we could share this four spiritual law thing, right? So I'm talking to this guy, and I'm just trying to look him in the eyes. I'm just trying to be sincere and look him in the eyes. Well, the wind's blowing, and my eyes are just watering, you know? And so I didn't realize how much it looked like I was just bawling, but I'm, you know, which I'm sure made him feel like he was uncomfortable. But the what clued me in is when my friends later said, Wow, Tyler, you were really into that. <laughs> but see, this could be natural. It's, we're not trying to uh, ambush people. We're trying to share good news. The good news of the gospel. Anybody can do it. There goes my blessed title. I wonder what happened to that. Let's see if I can get There we go. Creates a culture and not just a program. You see, what's going to make a difference isn't a six-week push, and then we go back to something different, but it's learning to be intentional, learning to develop those missional practices, and I love the way they say that. Because how can I learn to adopt that kind of an attitude? And I make those spaces in my life, and as I see fruit come, as I see God use me, it's exciting, I hope. See, I need to do it too, right? But as we do it together, so it, I like that it's not just you follow this recipe, you just share these three things, and then you ask them if they want to get on their knees and pray, right? We do things like count conversations. We count, we're, we're looking just for the opportunity to, to help somebody take a step, right? Not take a leap necessarily, all right, I love it. It recognizes that evangelism happens in community. Now, I really like this about it because I feel like in evangelism approaches I've taken you know, in the past means I have to do it all from A to B. In other words, I have to, not only do I have to be the one who shares the four spiritual laws and has the memory work done and does all this, but even in one setting or something like that, but Jesus said, by this will all men know you are my disciples if you love one another. So as the body of Christ, we embody the life of Christ, primarily displayed in the love that we show one another and the community. And we share in the mission of Christ together. We are the hands and feet. We continue. You know what Jesus said, by the way? He said, uh, when his disciples were amazed at his ministry, he said, you know, you're going to do, do bigger things than this. Now, not bigger in kind, because Jesus raised people from the dead. It's hard to beat that. But bigger in scope. Bigger in scope. We can impact. So we get to do it as a community. And maybe, maybe you have a buddy and you don't have the gift of gab and stuff like that, but maybe you invite him over to your house and you invite another one of your friends over and say, hey, this, this guy could really use your jibber-jabber. You know what I'm saying? And you, you, we connect up and we get to... We get to Share the good news together. And I think that, you know, when you have a meal, you eat together, there's an opportunity to do that. So I love that about it as well. All right, where are we at? Opportunities to pray. Uh, in your worship guide, and I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. I want everybody to have one of these real quick. So if you don't have one, the ushers going to, I've got extras on that table back there. And just raise your hand, they'll hand you one.
So in here, um, this is the first of five inserts that we're going to get. So on the BLESS is an acronym, right? Begins with prayer, uh, listen with care, uh, eat together, uh, serve in love, and share your story. And each week we'll have one of these that has some resources. This one in particular is inviting us to seriously think through where God has placed us at. He says, go make disciples. Where has he called you? Where has he placed you? What neighborhood? What place of work? What family? What acquaintances? And think about that. And then there's an opportunity to to begin to pray for those in here. On the back side, it gives you some some suggestions. I have (laughs) Uh, some suggestions on how you could pray for them, okay? With some some Bible verses there. And then... um, this is perforated through modern technology, which means you can very easily rip it, and you can paste it someplace that you'll remember to pray for them. You can put it in your favorite book, or maybe for your devotions when you do your, your Bible devotions. And then the, the second uh, bookmark is so if you turn that in, if you just put that in the offering basket, we're going to turn it into our covenant office, uh, the Alaska Conference office, and they collect them and they get prayed for along the way, and, and ultimately they're going to be collected nationally, I believe. So, But I really want to encourage you to take the first step. Who has God called you to? Who has God maybe already worked in their life and God's been prompting you? And um, if you want to be held accountable that, to that, you can talk to me and I'll have you hold me accountable to that. Okay? But let's be intentional. That means we create space to be able to do those things. All right? Create space. All right, so that's one opportunity. Here's another opportunity. On the bulletin board in the welcome area is something called Walk, walk Your Block. All right? And we've got a map of Eagle River, just the, mo- the main part of Eagle River, but we have little cards that represent Eagle River Valley, uh, Peters Creek, and um, Chugiak and Palmer and Anchorage and they, but what we want to encourage us to do is practice this whole business of just walking through our neighborhood, or maybe maybe doing a, a, a loop at work and praying for those people, asking God to bless them, asking God for opportunities to share the gospel with them, whether it's through a work of ministry or through the message, right? And so as we, as we do that, as we develop that missional practice, we're going to have, starting next week, we'll have pins, and you can, you can put a pin up there and say, this neighborhood was prayed for. And uh, we'd like to see a visual representation of where people are praying for their neighbors and their acquaintances, okay? So that's starting next week. So those are, that's two opportunities. I'm wondering. Oh! And then here's opportunities that are coming up that as you begin to connect, we want to create opportunities here at our church so that you can bring acquaintances here and that we can do community evangelism. So one of them that's coming up, and inside your worship guide it talks about it, is something called Disaster Days. This insert here. Is Mary in here? Can you give us the 30 seconds on what Disaster Days is? I'm running out of time. I'm going to get I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. And go. Okay, so actually this year is actually Disaster Days only because um, it's actually going to be a two-day event. So on Saturday from 10 to 2, 
we're opening the doors and partnering with the Department of Homeland Security, the American Red Cross, the Blood Bank of Alaska, uh, LifeMed. We're working on getting a LifeMed helicopter to land out here in the grass. We just need to make sure it's big enough for them. And we're just opening the doors and offering opportunities for people to understand more about disaster preparedness, how they can be better prepared, and work with people within their community for that preparedness. And then on Sunday from 9 to 2, yes, we are very intentional about doing that during worship services so you can come before and after and rest and not pass out in the parking lot. Um, we're going to be doing a blood drive with the Life Mobile from the Blood Bank of Alaska will be out here because that's a significant factor in disaster preparedness too. So it's just about bringing the community in and serving them with real genuine needs that they have. That don't, Jesus is all over it, but we're not necessarily beating them over the head with them. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, and one of the things that we're hoping to do uh, at Disaster Day and or get resources for is um, a, a packet of information that helps you figure out how you connect with your neighbors just to make an emergency plan. There's a bear in the neighborhood, and you need to call you know the people three down doors down because you just drove by and they had kids outside. You want to be able to call them. So what it is, it's a way to serve our neighbors by helping to create a neighborhood, you know, disaster plan, but also it's a way to connect with your neighbors. And who knows, maybe God has an opportunity for you to share something of the gospel with them in the future. And so we'll be looking to do that as a response to disasters. Also, we're put, trying to put together, we're trying to put, put together um, a series of uh, concerts out here in the green that's just fun music and food Bring your friend, and what we want people to say is, you go, this is a, this is a church? We, this, this seems pretty fun. I like this, you know? So, um, very non-threatening events, and you'll be seeing those dates come up here real soon, okay? I'm out of time. Can I pray for us? And would you join me? Let's ask God. We want to be a part of what Jesus is doing in our community. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Each of us has a story of how you rescued us by your son. You invaded our hearts and lives and revealed your love to us. We're so grateful. Uh, Lord, give us passion for the people, your lost ones in our community, who still need that realization. Lord, thank you that we get to be a part of that. And so, um, Lord, as we, as we uh, start this process of this blessed initiative. I pray that we would be willing to take baby steps. In our busy lives, Lord, help us to carve out space um, and and help us to, to see where you're calling us to participate. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.